Great. If you can um, turn back in your Bible to Ephesians 1, actually, we're going to be back in there for a bit today as well. How are you guys all doing? I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't with you last night. Did you have a good time last night? Yeah, it's fantastic, wasn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really good fun bowling. I was impressed with the group of people that managed to do ice skating and bowling. Did you get in a swim as well? <laughs> There's one group who managed to do everything. Talk to those multitaskers. Really fantastic. Okay, so um, Monday we talked about God's purposes for us, um, which are kind of abstract Bible words that are quite hard to hit home in your heart until you can really, you know, kind of massage them and understand what they mean. Holiness, adoption and redemption and holiness being set apart for God and living for the audience of one. Adoption meaning I've got a dad who is going to say to me, you know, well done, and that I'm going to receive the same inheritance that his his natural son, Jesus Christ, has because I've been adopted into his family, despite being a child of wrath by nature. And then redemption, the cost of making those things happen. They're almost in reverse order, actually, because we're redeemed to be adopted to be holy. So in that order... And I was, read, I was reading um, the whole of Ephesians again this morning, which I got, I drove here again. And it was really handy because it was just about enough time to listen to it all on my U version, you know. And um, just one verse leapt out at me. I just wanted to hark back to it, which is about our God's purposes for us, which I didn't really highlight. So I just wanted to draw your attention to that. Actually, chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we weren't, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. You get that? You know, we're, we're, we're saved by grace alone, but not by grace that remains alone. You know, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Uh, faith without works is dead, you see. So Ephesians 2 and James 2 don't contradict each other, if you're, if you're ever wondering about that, um, because faith without works is dead. So a, a living faith will always produce good works. And one of the purposes God has for us in terms of the, the overall category of holiness is that we do good works that he's prepared beforehand. And I got excited about that driving here this morning. I was thinking, brilliant. Everyone in this room, God has prepared some good works for you today that you might walk in them. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow when we talk about our walk. So it's, it's really where the rubber hits the road tomorrow. You know, it gets more, we're kind of zooming in on if you like a funnel to more practical and everyday aspects of our lives. We started off on the big picture and we're going to go to some of the more detailed aspects of life. But think about that today as you're interacting with people. Lord, what are the good works that you prepared for me to walk in today? Because he has done it, just whether you want to walk in them or not. <laughs> so bear that in mind. That's, that's in terms of holiness, adoption, redemption. God's purpose is for himself. Imagine getting excited about what God's excited about. Not just what you're excited about, you know. It's okay to have your passions and enthusiasms, you know. Aston Villa, 6-0. You know, that's fine. That's good. But um, what is it that God's excited about? Imagine being excited with, with the same heartbeat of God. He's excited about unifying everything. You turn on the news, disunity, fragmentation. You live your life, arguments, problems in your body. God wants to reveal who he is, you know, especially his immeasurable riches of his grace and also the manifold wisdom the multicolored dream coat of the church to the angels and demons look how amazing my wisdom is in creating this people for myself and that everything should be to the praise of his glory god's not an egotist he is the most worthy person in the universe and we are created to worship him it's good for us it's good for him it's good for everything if we live to the praise of his glory now today i'm going to be talking about prayers all right paul's prayers in particular and I feel like I'm just beginning to pray in my life. (laughs) 
it's it's not an easy thing. Somebody, one of the, I think might have been Adam said it. It's it's actually hard to pray, isn't it? And I think if you find it easy to pray, maybe you should tell the rest of us. <laughs> um, so, and also that we start off with really pagan and childish prayers that are very much based on our own orientations and needs, right? So normally, like, we're like little kids and we say, God, I want to have a good day. And I remember, right, when I used to be a teacher, I used to teach English to secondary school, and there was a girl called Holly, and she was so funny. She used to come, she was a sick formant, she used to come to the prayer meeting. We used to have a prayer meeting for the staff and sick formants for some reason in the morning. It was quite good, but she used to come and she used to turn up quite late to the prayer meeting. And she used to say, dear God, I just pray that my maths teacher... We'll forget to ask for the homework because I haven't done it. Amen. And like every prayer that she prayed was like that, you know. Um, you know, and that's sort of, okay, you know, like, you know, we come as we are, don't we? And we, we present our requests to God with thanksgiving. But it, it's just trying to get to that point where we're praying the way that Paul prayed. Imagine that. Because when you're praying like that, you know, you're asking whatever in my name and I'll do it for you. You're, you're coming into Jesus' name, his character, and you're going to see a lot of answers. <laughs> you're going to be running and walking with God and you'll, you'll be like Enoch, you know what I mean, walking with God and you're going to see, you're living in that dynamic which is very exciting, praying, answered, praying, answered, you know, because you're praying the way that God wants you to pray. So we're going to think about that today and I'm going to express it through the medium of dance. No, I'm not. Um, I, uh, and that's it. Let, close your Bibles. No, um, never get invited back. Never get invited back. Reformed Baptists. Um, I've got three gestures. I I just thought I'd do something different. Okay, so (laughs) this is the first gesture, okay? This is about praying. I want three gestures. You can imitate me if you want, um, as I imitate Christ. So the first gesture is this, right? Okay? So if you've been paying attention, what do you think that gesture represents? Yes, Elliot. Look at that. He's doing it. He's doing the gesture. What do you think that gesture represents? It's something we're praying about. I'm, 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 I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm trying to touch something. I'm trying to reach out for something, if you like. And it's sort of up there and forward. Yeah, it's one, one word I'm thinking about. Holiness. Not holiness, no. God. Not God. Ramon. It's not worship, but you, you know, you're all in the right ballpark, you know, but it's, it's up there and it's forward. Prayer. It's his will. Yeah, it's good. It's prayer. No, it's good. It's one word. Oh, second. Purpose for us? No. It's all brilliant, though. These are all right answers, but just not my answer. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's hope, hope. All right. So we're going to be praying about our hope. Okay. So it's some. The reason I'm doing that is because it's something, you know, forward and upwards, isn't it? Right. Something in the future, perhaps something beyond in eternity. Right. Now, this is my second gesture. Okay. Um, this may be a bit, hopefully, easier. Okay. It's like this. Um, Something like that. What do you think that is? <laughs> We're talking about possibilities here. <laughs> okay, so it's like this. What do you think that is? It's one word again. So the first word was hope. What's the second word, do you think? It's not unity, no, because that would be probably something more like that. But. Uh, Determination's good. Getting closer. Strength. Yeah, oh, strength is the closest. Who said that? Uh, Phil. Philip's closest. I'm going to take that. It's power. Okay, strength and power. Same word in Greek, really, dunamis, you know, where we get dynamic from. So we've got hope and we've got power. 
You know, power stance. Thank you, Paul. He's got the power to put these things right. And the last thing is probably quite easy, right? And this one is, again, coming sort of from above like this. Something like that. Love, yeah. Right, so hope, power, and love. The three things. And the reason I'm doing that is because I find it really easy for my mind to wander when I'm praying. And if I could do anything, like even if I look like absolute numpty, I'm walking along going like this. You know, or something like that. You make up your own gestures, but it, it's, it's, just, it's just to get me focused the way that God wants me focused when I'm praying. So I'm not just asking God to help my math teacher to forget to ask my homework. Because that's my normal prayer level. And unsurprisingly, I don't really get much joy from that because God may or may not answer it. But it's not, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz type of prayer. You know what I mean? So we're going to try and get into the prayers of God's mind himself. And we're going to see that through the Apostle Paul, who really understood these things to pray about. And power and love are going to come up, you know, again. That's why they've got the asterisk next to them. So think about those two, especially. But we're going to start off with hope. Paul prays that we would know God better. All right. So all of these prayers are about knowledge of God. Be honest. How often do you wake up in the morning and say, God, I want to know you better? It's not really the first thing in our minds, is it? It's God, please help me get through today. And, you know, it's like that, isn't it? It's very sort of, and there's nothing wrong with that, Lord, help me. But just, just to think or reorientate our prayers today towards a deeper knowledge of God in these three aspects of hope, power and love. So Paul prays that we would know God better. The hope that he's called us to. His resurrection power. And his all-surpassing love in Christ. You notice that the love is coming down from him and then going out to others, you see. That's why I'm doing that. And we're going to think particularly about how the love comes down from him and then goes out to others tomorrow. Okay, so <laughs> have you ever prayed for... This is a, a, a American survey. People who mistreat you, your enemies, winning the lottery... <laughs> Uh, success in something you put almost no effort into. That's a holy prayer. Um, no one to find out a bad thing you've done. I like these. Uh, God to avenge someone who hurt you or a loved one. Have you, ooh, interesting. Have you ever prayed that? Mm. Um, your favorite team to win a game. Yes. Um, bad things to happen to a bad person. Find a good parking spot. <laughs> That's so Joel Osteen. You know Joel Osteen is? Yeah, I believe you're in the favour. <laughs> you just need to live that abundant life where every time you drive your stretch Humvee and there's that place just waiting for you there. Um, Alex and Nina are going to have a go at me later for my American accent. Um, not getting caught speeding. Definitely run that as speed. I was that with a box junction. I'm like, please, Lord, please can the traffic... Do you know what a box junction is? You've got to keep moving in it. And I always go into it and the car in front just stops. And I'm like, Lord, please keep moving, please keep moving, please keep moving. <laughs> 60 quid. Um, <laughs> success in something you knew you wouldn't please God. That's an interesting one to pray, isn't it? You know? Um, someone's relationship to end. It's getting, it's getting dark. Getting dark. He's <laughs> got a little doll. <laughs> um, someone to get fired or someone else to fail. Anyway, apparently these are prayers that people pray, but um, that most of them are a bit not so great, right? Um, the first one's great, isn't it? So I'm glad that that's the most popular one. Um, and the second one is also great because Jesus says to do those things, doesn't he? So the other ones, 
Um, you know, well, God to avenge someone who hurt you or a loved one. There's some interesting stuff in the Psalms, but we're living in a new covenant. So it's better for us to say, Father, forgive them, isn't it? They don't know what they're doing. Okay, so our prayers today are going to be knowing God better. All right. And we could be praying for health. And these are not illegitimate. They're just perhaps a little bit subordinate or secondary. Lord, please heal my injury. I pray that most days because I really miss running. I love long distance running and I haven't done that for two years now. And um, it's something that really just frees my mind and stuff like that. But I have to trust God that he will or won't do that according to his purposes for me. Um, success, Lord, help me ace my exams. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, to your glory. Um, I think I actually did pray yesterday that I would get one strike. <laughs> the bowling. <laughs> um, Lord, please give me a boyfriend or girlfriend. Is that a bad prayer? There's nothing wrong with that, is it? You know, just to your glory. Like if it's gonna, if it's going to help me walk closer with you, if I'm walking with someone else, then bring that to me. But if it isn't, if it's going to walk, take me away from you, then I don't want it. It's fairly straightforward, isn't it? If we're going to be better together, then we will be on our own as well. Or just because they're a Christian doesn't automatically mean it's going to be a good thing, by the way. But certainly if they're not a Christian, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, maybe. Um, and the, the, the most important thing to pray out of all of those things, health, success and relationships, Lord, help me to know you better. Because if you know God better, then everything else is going to come into shape, isn't it? Your relationships, your health, your perspective on these things is actually more important of success in them. Right, your perspective on your health, your perspective on your success, your perspective on your relationship status is more important than your relationship status. So if you know God better, then your perspective on all these things will be divine. It will have, be heavenly. You'll have a heavenly mindset. So look out for all these knowledge words in yellow. Now, let's think about inheritance for a second because we're gonna, we're, I'm going to zoom down on the passage now. So we're looking at chapter 1 of Ephesians and we're particularly going to be looking at Paul's prayers where he says, in, from verse 15, uh, 13 onwards, he's talking about giving thanks for them, and he's praying. In verse 17, if you have the NIV, it says that you will know him better. That's what we're focusing on today, prayers to know God better. In the ESV, I prefer the NIV slightly, but ESV says the revelation in the knowledge of him. I just like know him better, that's great. Having the high, eyes of your heart enlightened, verse 18, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That's what we're thinking about now, is hope, okay? And the inheritance of that. So here we've got a picture of Lauren Powell Jobs. You remember Apple, the guy who founded Apple, Steve Jobs? Really good film, actually. Very interesting film about the price of greatness in terms of the impact on your relationships. Very mixed up guy, very sad guy, really, Steve Jobs, despite his success. Now, the blonde woman inherited from her husband, Steve Jobs, his shares in Apple and Disney. So super rich woman. She's worth $20 billion. The guy on the left is Tim Cook, the current CEO. And she said, interestingly, it ends with me. My children won't inherit. And she's going to give the money away to charity. They're like, thanks, mom. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, uh, interesting to think, why, why is she denying them that inheritance? You can probably guess. Like, I, I didn't really find out why but i would imagine it's because she doesn't want them to just walk around with a sense of entitlement and put no effort into life you know um but it's just an interesting idea this idea of inheritance that when someone dies you get their stuff um is that a good thing or a bad thing for you like most of us feel like yeah i'm, I'm good with that i had a, actually a, a, a quite a wealthy uncle and he died and he didn't have any kids and i got a load of money from him which i subsequently lost but i won't go into that um 
for complicated reasons. But um, it was just interesting to get that money and then lose it again. You sort of think, has this, has this actually enriched me as a person? You know, the Lord gives and takes away. What kind of inheritance should we be looking for? And this is the inheritance that's spoken of in the scriptures, okay? I pray that you will have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. You know that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, I Want to See You, you know? To see you high and lifted up, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, that hope that which he's called you, forwards and upwards, onwards and upwards, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, we have an inheritance, which is heaven, but did you know that God has an inheritance, which is us? Now, because there's two ways of reading this in the Greek, but in the ESV, I think they've got it right. Good News Bible, which I was listening to this morning, has it different. I think what it's saying in the second part of verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18, if you want to look at it, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So I used to think it meant just a repetition of the first part of the verse, the hope to which he's called you. In other words, your inheritance, which is heaven. But I think it's actually talking about two sides of the same coin, which is saying the hope that to which God has called you, which is heaven for you, and his inheritance, which is kind of heaven for him. That makes sense? So we are in his inheritance. Now, inheritance is something you get after somebody dies, isn't it? Now, who's died? Jesus has died, right? So God the Father receives, if you like, the inheritance from the work of Christ, which is his church. And we receive the inheritance of Christ, which is heaven for us. I think that's what this verse is saying. You can come back to me about it because it's, it's not entirely easy to understand in my view anyway. But either way, both God and us, we're looking forward to this heavenly hope, aren't we? Where we're all going to be united right revelation so wonderful isn't it? he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes There'll be no more crying death pain sorrow it's all going to be gone and it says and he will be our god he'll be with us we won't need the sun anymore because god himself will be our light his name will be on our foreheads it's just wonderful so that's that wonderful knowledge that we're going to live with him it's what's called the beatific vision we'll see his face you know, and in 1 John 3, it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And when we see him, we will be like him. And we sing that song and we'll meet him in the air. That's our hope. And I think, right, okay, if you, if you divide time into four different e- epochs or eras or whatever, <clears throat> you've got uh, past, present, future and eternity. And I think, you know, how much time do you spend thinking about the past? How much time do you think spend thinking the present? How much time future? How much eternity? How do you subdivide your interior monologue? You know, like what you're thinking about. Have a think about it now. What, what do you mostly think about? Do you dwell in the past? Do you think about the present a lot? Do you think about what I'm going to be doing next year or five years time or my 10-year plan or whatever it is? Some of you guys probably have got that. <laughs> um, your mood boards, you know. And then... The eternity. And I think out of all of these areas, what does the Bible encourage us to emphasize, right? And the, the Bible encourages, in my view, you can, again, Q&A tomorrow night. Send me some questions. Let's have some discussion tomorrow. It's not a monologue. I think the Bible says in Philippians, it says, forget what is past and press on to the price which is called you heavenward. However, a lot of the Bible is about the past, isn't it? It's about remembering God's kindness to us. So there is a good element to, to learn the lessons from your mistakes of the past and look at how God has rescued you. And you can say, wow, I remember that time and I've almost forgot how God answered my prayer. So it's, it's good to rehearse the past up to a certain point, as long as you don't stay bogged down in it, as long as you're not dwelling on resentments and stuff like that. So what's your perspective to the past? 
Jesus says definitely live in the present in the sense that, do you remember what I said at the beginning of the talk? That God, we are God's workmanship, his poem in the Greek, and he's prepared good works for us today to walk in them. So we should definitely be thinking about today. What are you going to do today for the Lord? And then, then you've got the future. And I think the future is the one area where we're really not encouraged to think about it that much. Strangely, because Jesus says, don't give, don't give any thought to tomorrow. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? He's like, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough problems today. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> you think he's going to say something comfortable. You've got enough evil today. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Um, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, tomorrow will take care of itself. And James says, don't, don't say I'm going to go to this city or that city. Say, if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or that. So you don't even know. You're a vapor. <laughs> you don't even know whether you're going to be around tomorrow. So don't make too many solid plans that you have to accomplish because you don't know. God's plans might be very different. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? Eternity is another matter, though. You know, we can think about that all the time because that's what Paul is praying. That's his first prayer that the, going back to the uh, text, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. In other words, believers in Christ need to think about heaven a lot and to try to expand our understanding of what it is that awaits us because that, how, how is that going to impact your daily life? Well, you're going to want to take people with you. You're not going to want to keep it to yourself. You're going to want to take your non-Christian friends with you. You're going to want to live life backwards, meaning you, you sort of think, right, this is my destiny and I'm going to make sure that all my decisions lead to that point, you see. But a lot of people get stuck in the future rather than in eternity. So it's just a thought for you, right? What, when I'm praying, Lord, please just, just give me a really deep, certain sense of, of my, my, my eternal destiny to be at home with you. And that, that should drive all of my comfort and my decisions today. So it's the hope. That's the first thing to pray about. And actually, it's God's hope, if you like, in us as well. Right, let's move on to the next bit. It's going to talk about power. Okay, power. Okay, what, <laughs> sort of fun question for you. If you could have any superhero ability, which one would it be from the ones on the screen? All right. So someone, someone, someone shout out and justify your decision. <laughs> Teleportation. Okay, why? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. If anyone's dating somebody quite a long way away, I'm sure they could appreciate that one as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Elliot. Anyone else? Shout one out. Oh, you know, you're bagging all the other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. You know, like mystique type thing. <laughs> um, say again? Super speed. Why are we going for super speed? Do you know what? I, I knew this would turn to a debate. <laughs> to be continued afterwards. Thank you, Roman. So there's a whole bunch of it. I think really, if you think about all superhero abilities, they are designed to overcome some kind of problem. You know, like super strength. Sorry to mention Black Widow again. I've just seen it recently. <laughs> um, Red Guardian, there's a bit where it's blocking a plane. And he just picks up this really heavy piece of machine and just cuts it because there's always some blocking force, right? So all of these things, right? Like you say, you live in London, therefore it's inconvenient to get around. So teleportation is going to overcome that or super speed will overcome that. Being able to change and, and use all those other abilities with shape-shifting. So most of these things, they kind of overcome problems or they speed up solutions, those kind of things. Now, what's the ultimate problem, you see? 
So the ultimate superpower is going to be the thing that resolves the ultimate problem, I would have thought. So getting from A to B is annoying, but it's not the ultimate problem. Yeah? And being able to... Something heavy on the ground that you can't pick up. Okay, that's cool that I can now pick it up with my super strength, but it's not the ultimate problem. The ultimate problem is death, isn't it? Because the death, death zeroes everything, right? It's the blue screen of death. No matter what you're doing on your computer, when you see that screen, no matter, it's all over, right? And, and, and if you're a super strong but dead person or a very fast but dead person, that's, that's not much use. So, you know, you can shapeshift into a different type of corpse. You know, that's it. Um, so what I think the, the most important one out of all this, right, obviously is that, isn't it? Resurrection. And I think it's kind of annoying when you watch a show or a movie where the hero is overpowered, in my view. You know, like Captain Marvel, probably. Because you've got too many abilities. And so you just think there's no jeopardy, right? If you're into the Matrix trilogy... The first film's better than the other two because the main character becomes overpowered in the second or third films. Therefore, the jeopardy reduces, and therefore you like you lose the tension. So, the the thing about this, right, is resurrection power is the most important power because it overcomes death. Okay, and we're going to look at that now because death is the final enemy. It says that in one Corinthians fifteen. So I pray that you will know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the workings of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. And again, chapter 3, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power for his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Imagine living each moment with God's resurrection power. I just want to Dwell on that for a moment. How much power do you think it requires to raise somebody from the dead? You know? I don't know if you've, like I was saying to you yesterday about when my student died and I was crying and I, I remember watching the box as she went down into the grave, you know. And if in that moment I could have raised her, then of course I would have done. Her mum wore black for the next 10 years. Um, you know, she's lost her little girl at age 17, man. Imagine this power to raise the dead, you know? And Jesus, it's a really fascinating story, the story of Lazarus, isn't it? So many details in it that we can easily overlook. And when he finds out that his um, friend is sick, and it comments several times, it says, Lazarus, whom he loved. And it says, when he found out he was sick, therefore, or so, Jesus stayed another two days where he was think that doesn't make any sense surely what you should be saying is when he found out he was sick he used this super speed <laughs> super speed or teleportation and he teleported straight to but he Jesus could have done that Jesus could have teleported if you want he could walk on water he's got all the superpowers right my little uh, little boy jack i was doing a sunday school with one kid or not on a sunday <laughs> little boy called jack and he's like jesus can fly right and i was like yeah <laughs> i guess if he wanted to he ascended into heaven um but jesus could have flown teleported to Bethany and immediately healed Lazarus. But it says in the passage, when he heard that he was sick, so he stayed another two days where he was. And then he goes to Bethany and the women come out and they say, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You remember that bit? And they both say the same thing. And they're right. And they're upset with Jesus in a way. They're like, you've got the power to heal the sick. I'm not sure about resurrection power, but you could, you could have been here. And you'd, it's like they're questioning whether he loves them or not. But if you really cared about us, you would have been here, right? And Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the power of God. And, and then he says this most amazing thing. I am the resurrection and the life. 
not I can do resurrection power stuff, but I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, and then he cries because he's a human being and, he, and he's upset because his friend has died. So he understands our pain when we lose people because he's not just God, he's also man. And then he says, roll away the stone. And there's that great verse in the King James Version where Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> she's so practical, Martha. She's like, it's going to be a bit of a snail. We haven't really sorted that out. So, My brother's dead, but it might smell a bit. Um, and then Jesus is like, mm, okay, roll the stone away. And then Lazarus come forth. And there's that there's always beautiful but comedy moments in the Bible where he's coming out, you know. And Jesus is like, you need to unwrap him now. Cause <laughs> and Lazarus is like, wow. And um, the Pharisees, what's their response to this? Let's kill Lazarus. You're like, dude, you know what Jesus can do, right? <laughs> That's not going to work. But they're, because they're, their hearts are so hardened in unbelief that when you've got someone who is the resurrection and the life walking around among them, their solution to that is to try to kill the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. That's how messed up they are. Now, we need to be the opposite of that. We need to embrace the resurrection and the life. We need to have... And Jesus says to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she's like, I know we'll see the resurrection on the last day. And stuff. But she, she needs to understand that the resurrection isn't just an event at the end of time. It's a person that you need to get to know now. Okay? And that, that person, the resurrection, he is the resurrection and the life, comes to live in your heart by the Holy Spirit and then gives you power. You know, power to do what? You know, lift heavy objects or run? Not, no, he won't do that probably. He might don't know if you need to do it you might do it but most importantly it's it's power to obey isn't it and power to love if you love me keep my commandments it's power to be patient in a situation where someone's really doing your head and that's a lot of power required there it's a power to break an addiction that you've got who's got an addiction here you don't have to put your hand up you don't need to put your hand up you all have probably (laughs) imagine having that resurrection power if someone can raise a dead body then they can probably break your addiction can't they they can probably heal your broken heart over some loss that you've experienced. They can probably enable you to overcome some bitterness or resentment against somebody that is lodged in your heart as well. Whatever it is, whatever your issue is, you know what your issue is. Resurrection power, you know, is in you through Christ, if only you would believe it, right? Let's read it again. I pray that you will know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the workings of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And in another Bible book, it says that same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you, Romans chapter 8. So let's pray that today for each other. We're praying about the hope that we're focusing on the eternity, not just the rest of life. And we're also praying that we, God will give us his power that raised Christ from the dead, that we can overcome any test, any temptation, any difficulty to the glory of God. Right, last comment today is about love. And this is from chapter one again. I pray that you will have strength to comprehend with all the saints. It's not chapter one, it's chapter three. I've written it wrong, sorry. Have a look at chapter three. That's what we read today. Let's turn to that, chapter three. It's actually quite easy to remember. It's kind of 118 and 318. That you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, height, length, height, and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's a contradiction, isn't it? 
that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might know the unknowable. Well, it must be a supernatural thing, right? Imagine what a kind of person you would be if you were walking around knowing how much Jesus really loved you. Now, notice Paul is not saying, I pray that Jesus will love you. He already loves you. But the problem is that you don't know how much he loves you, do you? You've only got a little glimpse of it and your mind is crowded with doubts and fears and unbelief and your own agendas and your own addictions, isn't it? It's got all that junk in it. You know, your RAM is all clogged up with your own stuff and you need to ask God to clear that away so that you're just filled with the love of Christ. Because that love is there, it's just that you don't know it, do you? So I need to pray for you that you will know how wide and high and long and deep it is and you need to pray for me because my mind's got junk in it as well. That's the goal, is that we would pray that we would know the love of Christ that is already there for us and that will transform our every encounter and relationship and life goal. Just to break it down a little bit before we come to a close, the breadth of Christ's love is for all peoples. Yesterday, I went to see my neighbour whose mum just died of COVID. Her name is Isabella and um, she's a a single child of a single mum. I mean, she's in her 30s, so she's not a child, but it's really hard to imagine that she was just living with her mum and that's it, it's just her on her own now. And I went to see her. And I've got another neighbour who's called Sophie, who's about nine, and she's like a little street urchin. She's got a little smudgy face and she's always out there. And she's, she's actually lost, one of her vocal cords is damaged, so she's got a very raspy voice. So whenever I go out of my house, I normally get, Now! Now! Can you get me a football? Because I'm always buying her football and then she always kicks it over a fence and loses it and stuff like that. Anyway, so for the street urchin and Isabella, who's lost her mum, and I was, I, was, I was actually going for a walk, but I saw Isabella, I went to, uh, and I said, oh, can I give you a hug, give her a hug, and, and then Sophie was like, no, and then I said, Sophie, I'm speaking to an important person here, and I thought, hold on a second, and you're an important person as well, and I'm going to come speak to you in a minute, because I was basically relegating Sophie, because she was annoying me slightly, right, because I was, uh, I was trying to focus on Isabella, and it just, the love of Christ is very broad. Is there a kind of person that you think is not worthy of the love of Christ? How dare you? How dare you, Neil? Like Sophie, is Sophie less important than Isabella? She's not. Yeah, she's, a, she's not. She's not. Funny little thing. She, is. she wanted to tell me really loudly that she was scared of, of the guy who was sitting in the car opposite. He's called Ben. He's very harmless. He's a, he's a Nigerian guy who sits in his car all the time on the phone. I'm, I don't understand why. Talking really loudly in a Nigerian language. He's not scary, though. But he's equally important as well, isn't he? You see, this is the thing, is that God is multicoloured dream coat of the church. So please today, don't devalue anyone in this camp, right? Just try and treat everybody with that love and respect that Christ has for them. And secondly, it's the length of Christ's love, that Jesus loves you now and he's going to love you in the future and he's going to love you when you really screw up, which you will do if you haven't done already. Who screwed up already? Who screwed up big time already? Yeah, you, you know, do you think Jesus stopped loving you? He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't like it anymore. You just, he doesn't do that. And do you know that God has loved you from before the foundation of the world? Yes? You know that he's loved you before you were conceived in a mother. Now, this is the thing that really blew my mind when I was on my bike one time and I was listening to it. I probably shouldn't listen to podcasts on my bike, but I was. And I was listening to R.C. Sproul. And he said, do you know that God has loved you as long as he has existed? And I thought, wow, that, that kind of really hit me because... God has existed for a long time, man, (laughs) like for always. And he's loved you for as long as he's existed because he's always had you in his mind to make you, hasn't he? Do you see what I mean? That's pretty cool. 
But you haven't existed forever. You're a finite contingent being, right? There was a time, point in time when you didn't exist. But God has always had you in his mind to love you in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so his love is very long. It started a long, long time ago and it will go on forever. In fact, there's not ever been the time when you haven't been loved by God. And he loves you in the heavenlies. If you, if you think about chapter two, well, um, we talked about how we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. So the love of Christ is so high, he will take you up to be with himself, lifting our humanity to the heights of his throne. What a mystery, meekness and majesty. And his love is very deep. He will love you at your worst. Let's look again at chapter two, verse four. Do you remember this? We read it. Adam referred to it again already this morning. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Earlier on this year, I I was very troubled with intrusive thoughts actually. And for the first time in my Christian life, I thought I might have lost my salvation. And I was feeling really guilty about something that wasn't actually wrong, but it just felt emotionally like it was. Something to do with money. And I was so messed up, you know, I was trying to pray all the time. And I just kept on feeling like um, God, God, doesn't, God is going to reject all your prayers. I mean, it must have been Satan, don't you think? But I think the whole lockdown thing really messed with me mentally, you know? Um, being isolated and that. And I need to come back to these verses, you know? Let's say I did get everything wrong. And I, I have. I've got so much wrong. And so have you. But this is when God loved me, you know, when I was dead in my trespasses. That's how deep his love is, you know. He, he will love me at my worst, and, and probably I'm worse than I think. And he'll love you at your worst, and he does. Don't let the devil lie to you about that. Don't let him rob your joy. All right, so Paul prays that we would know God better, right? That's the goal of our prayers now in a minute when we pray together. The hope that he's called you to, his resurrection power and his all-surpassing love in Christ. And we're going to think tomorrow how we pass that love on to each other as well. But really today it's about receiving that love and, and clearing out the junk in your head so that you can expand the space for the love of Christ to fill it. I'm going to pray for you guys now and then we're going to do what we normally do. Um, but this time, particularly when you're with your twos and threes, I want you to pray for what the other person asks for, yes? So pick one of those things, right? Hope, power or love. Maybe somebody, maybe you say, look, I want to have a clearer sense of where I'm going in the future in heaven. I want to be more confident of that. I'm not sure I'm going there. I'm a bit wobbly about that. Or maybe you think I need more power in my life to break an addiction or to be patient and love the people around me. Or maybe you're somebody that just needs to experience more of the love of Christ for you and feel more happy in that. Michael. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I will do that exact thing. There you go. Nice, man. Thank you. Let me pray and uh, you guys can uh, do the work together. Father, we just want to ask your forgiveness that we do. Um, We have a very um, anorexic prayer life for most of the time and and we, we are so preoccupied with every other thing than talking to you. And I just pray that you'll give us that insatiable appetite, Lord, I mean, I love what Adam said about sweet violence, or that you, you do sweet violence in our souls to get us to that point where we hunger to speak to you, Heavenly Father, and that we can ask you for these things. We ask you, Lord, to give us the open the eyes of our hearts, which are currently flickering and closed, to see the hope to which you've called us and the fact that 
It's your inheritance in us. Lord, it's going to be a happy day when Jesus comes again and it will always be happy and everything sad will come untrue. Help us to live in that hope. And I also pray for power today, the same power that raised Christ from the dead at work in us. Earth-shaking, unstoppable power to, in those little moments, to not be a jerk. (laughs) You know, the power to not retaliate when somebody's aggressive on the road. The power to say no to overeating or undereating. The power not to draw attention to ourselves and to draw attention instead to you. All those things we need, Lord. We're so weak on our own. Without you can do nothing. And Lord, I pray for love. I pray, I know you love me, but I live like I'm an unloved person. So I have to try to get attention and love for myself as if I'm not loved, but I am loved. And I pray that I will know, and these precious people here will know, my brothers and sisters, how wide, tall, long and deep is your love. Please bless this particular time now as people have a little reflection time and interact and that you will carry this with us for the rest of today and indeed for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.